be royalty, to be his, the king's children. And so this ministry um, works with kids in foster care, giving them an experience that they've never had as kids. They're going to hear a lot more about that, so I won't get too far into that. But um, six years ago, their hearts were touched mightily by this ministry and what it what it does and, and what it, it seeks to do. And my, I'd, I have to say my heart has been captured in the past few months as I've gotten to know what the ministry is all about. So we're going to hear a little bit about them. Um, Amy and Joseph have been, like I said, serving for 12 or six years there. They've had a, a youth group in Three Forks for 12 years, so they're from this area. And um, they've got three daughters and one almost adopted son that they've adopted, working on adopting through foster care. So um, they understand the, the process and are living that out, not just in their ministry, but in their home as well. So I encourage you guys to um, listen and just consider, um, not just students, but staff as well, is this a ministry that you could uh, be a part of? So Joseph, come on up and share with us. Thank you. Nice. Well, thanks for for having me uh, this morning. We are so excited. Actually, I don't even think I need to do anything. I think she explained it all. Um, so class dismissed. Uh, <laughs> No, we're excited to be here. Actually, one of the things I've been thinking about this morning, it really uh, uh, was impressed upon me in worship. Uh, We've been listening to this slogan for the last several years, um, and it has to do with politics. uh, Make America great again, right? We've all heard that. I want to tell you that it doesn't matter who's in office. That is not the person that's going to make America great again. It's a room full of people like yourselves that are going to honor God in worship with their time, with their resources. And so you are the people that are making America great again. It's not who's in office. And so I want to share a little bit about Royal Family. Um, We have, uh, like we said, we've been doing this for about six years now. Um, Actually, I'll kind of give you a little bit of background. We were sitting at home one night my oldest daughter, we uh, were sitting watching TV and I was kind of playing on my computer and she comes down and we had Netflix at the time and she said, dad, I'm going to watch a movie. And I said, I don't care, whatever. And I only, I personally only like comedies. And so I said, okay, I'm thinking to myself, as long as it's a comedy, I'm in, right? But I'll sit here and play on my computer. So then she starts scrolling through Netflix and she finds this section called inspirational. And I'm like, oh, Lord, <laughs> Jeez. this doesn't sound like a comedy. And then I go, then she scrolls down and she finds this movie titled Camp. And I thought, and being the man of faith that I am, I'm like, I am not watching an inspirational movie <laughs> about a faith, about kids in foster care at a summer camp. She turned it on. I didn't say anything at that point. She turned it on, and within a few seconds, something welled up so much inside of me that I got angry and I left the room. Don't know why. I mean, there was just something about that moment that just made me so angry. I left the room. I actually took my computer, went upstairs to my room, and uh, sat on my bed. And God said, Joseph, it's time to go back down. I thought, oh. I am watching this, God. Um, And I sat down, and the movie started to play. And this movie is actually based the story of our camp. Everything that we do at camp, they've taken little clips of 
because all these different camps across the nation, they've taken little clips and they've made it into a movie. And I watched it, and about halfway through, I turned to my wife and I said, somebody has to do this. Now at that point, we didn't know that there was a camp. We didn't know it was a real thing. We just thought it was a movie. And so by the time the, the movie got done, sure enough, I'm, I'm on my computer and I said, where is this camp at? How can we get involved? Closest one was Boise, Idaho. And so um, I emailed them that night and I said, hey, Boise, I just want you to know I'm coming to camp. I didn't give you an option, but here I come, right? And uh, I said, here's my deal. We are going to start a camp in Montana. This is, this is the night one. This is after I watched the movie. I told them, we will start a camp in Montana. I'm going to come there and see what it's all about, and then I'm going to go to director's training. Sure enough, I went to that camp, and I was a camp counselor for a little boy named Donovan. Um, it was an amazing week. Um, we'll share a little bit more, some stories from camp. Um, but that's how we got involved. We went to director's training um, the next year, and uh, we have been directing Royal Family um, ever since. Most of the camps across the nation um, deal with just a county. Um, so like for us, it would be Gallatin County. Um, but we found that there was no other camps in Montana. And there's foster kids all over Montana, right? So. So we decided it was our mission to serve as many people, many children in Montana as possible. So we take kids from every part of the state, um, all the way. We have kids that come from five or six hours away um, to attend camp. And uh, there is now since, one of our staff people from the first two years of camp has now since started a new camp um, in Great Falls. And so we're, we're blessed to be a part of that ministry as well. So. I have a video of, this is actually going to be our founder, um, the one that started Royal Family about 30 years ago in California, and we're going to just hear some thoughts from him and some stories from some of the young people we serve. When I was 36, we did our first Royal Family Kids Camp for abused children, and that just changed my life. I can't help but get somewhat emotional about it as I look back at it. To be able to say, hey, there's some kids out there, kids who have been thrown up against walls and locked in closets. There's something that we need to do to help children. So we said one week at a Royal Family Kids Camp could make a huge, huge difference in their lives. So we started our first year of camp. And I'll never forget, I was um, standing in front of 37 children. And as I look back at that, my past, and my future collided and convergence took place and I knew that is what God had called me to do, to work with children in the foster care system. My dad is still in jail. So. That's probably hard, huh? Yeah, it's kind of hard. I get kind of sad sometimes, but it's okay. Yeah. Well, do you remember the last time you saw your dad? Uh, when I was four years old. You your baby teeth at times you lose your faith in me you will lose a lot of things but you cannot lose my love my mom couldn't like take care of me anymore because she wasn't responsible and so 
she like passed out. You may lose your appetite guiding sense of wrong and right. You may lose your will to fight, but you cannot lose my love. I started off when I was born, um, my parents, they went to jail. My dad's in jail, and I never met him. I think maybe when I started moving, I kind of, it'll frighten, I guess. It's so busy and confusing to go back and forth. But I mean, I guess I kind of got used to it because I've moved a lot. I was like a little boy. They started getting me taken away. They wanted me so bad to stay, but they didn't know how to take care of me, so I just went to a foster home, and then a group home, then foster home, then group home, and then foster home. My love. People have always asked, does a week make a difference in a child's life? And I'm here to say that it only took usually a moment for abuse to take place, and that becomes a scarring issue in their life forever. When they're able to come and spend a week in the Cathedral of the Outdoors surrounded by God's people, and they're able to say, I don't have to live or grow up the way I came. I am free to take another path. That's what a week of camp does. When that happens year after year after year, healing begins to take place. Hope begins to set in their lives. I've been here three years, and it's so much fun to be here. And my counselors, like, gives me so much attention, like I feel so special. It's fun, people care about me. The counselors, they, they treat you really nice. My counselor, she's really great. As soon as I saw her face, she had like this smile, like she really wanted to see me, unlike some other people that I know. I've had my counselor for three years already. I haven't got tired of her. Like I thought this camp was gonna be so boring, but this camp was so fun. And everyone like, appreciates us when we're here. They spend time with us and pay attention to us. They just cheered me up, so that's why I think they care about me. I always pray that I can come back uh, as a teen staff or or a counselor. I think I just really like, I'd like to help up other, help other kids because I've been helped and I just want to help other kids too. We have a way to fight the abusive issues in children's lives. We have a model that is working across America. Men and women stood up and said, you can count on me. You can count on me to give a week of my time to make a difference in a child's life. You can count on me to pray for children. You can count on me to write a check. What we are doing is worthwhile, and we need your help to make that happen. You cannot lose my
So that was our founder. His name is Wayne Tesh. Um, he started Royal Family 30 years ago in Southern California. Um, before I jump into the, my topic, can we just pray a minute? Um, God, we, we thank you. God, we honor you today. God, the, your word tells us to give honor where honor is due. And first and foremost, we honor you. God, would you be with us this morning? Prepare our hearts and, and even guard our hearts as we, we have to talk about some, some rough issues. Um, today. God, let every word that comes out of my mouth be your words. And if anything is not of you, let it fall to the ground. We pray. Be with us this morning. We ask in your name. Amen. You know, it's interesting how, how God, I just, we, I love God and um, how quick he changes. Um, I had a very well-polished um, talk for this morning. Um, but last night about three o'clock in the morning, um, God said, I don't think so. And, uh, he just put something in my spirit. And, um, so you'll have to bear with me this morning. Um, I'm, I'm truly, am just writing it as I'm saying it. And so, um, I'm going to tell you three stories, um, of some kiddos, this morning. I know a young man, Amy and I have been doing youth ministry um, together for about 20 years. Um, so we have a teen center in Three Forks, and uh, we have had about 350 young people come through our center over the years. And there was this one young man that we knew of that um, the abuse started really early. Actually, not so much um, physical, more mental, more uh, verbal. You see, his dad is either in prison or um, maybe even dead. Um, mom, for sure, is in prison uh, for running drugs. And this young man got left with his grandparents, which didn't particularly care for him. And he had come in and out of our um, youth center, out of our lives um, from time to time. And we finally, one night, my daughter got a phone call um, that he was decided he was going to end it. Um, he's 17, and he decided that he had had enough. The abuse and the torment was just too great. Nobody was coming out there checking on him. Actually, the truth is where he lived, it wasn't a real favorable um, place, and even social workers didn't want to go there. So he just dealt, and finally one night he just decided that was, that was it. <clears throat> so we went out and picked him up and brought him to our house, um, talked to him, and eventually sent him back on his merry way. There came a time that uh, we got to invest a little bit more into him, um, and he actually came and lived with us for, for a couple of months. Um, we helped him get out of his situation. And one of the things that I remember most about him 
was I would, I am not the overly huggy, I love you kind of guy. Uh, I mean, I definitely do that, but it's just, I'm, it's not over the top with that. But for some reason with him, I felt that I was supposed to do that. And uh, so I did. I would hug him. Actually, my daughters would even say, you don't even hug us. Why the heck are you hugging him? And I'd hug him, and, and I would always say that I loved you. I, I, I don't know why. I just, I would say I love you all the time. Finally, what ended up happening in our house, um, he finally chose to leave because he could not wrap his head around the concept that somebody cared. Couldn't. We actually helped him. We, we got him a job interview. We were helping him get his license, all that stuff. And he just could not wrap his head around. I finally ended up getting some nasty um, messages from him that said, please just stop saying you love me because I don't get it. He was so stuck, and he is still very stuck. We try to keep the lines of communication open. He's now dropped out of school, um, but he's just so stuck. He went back with his grandparents because sometimes the abuse is so familiar, it's easier than learning how to love. I had this another, I want to tell you a story about another little girl. I'll be honest with you, this is the first time I've told this story, and it'll probably be hard. Two years old, the abuse started for her. The truth was her her dad was in the military, and his job uh, was to take photographs of the dead bodies in Vietnam. And so when he came home, he came home with a lot of... Um, trauma and he brought it home to his family and so the abuse started at two years old with the beatings actually there's a story that was about a, a, a birthday cake or a, a cake at, when she was about five years old where her mom had made a cake and her dad had come home and didn't know what the cake was for and so he he asked the little girl, what is this cake for? And she said, I really don't know. And because of her response, he picked her up at five years old and threw her into a wall and knocked out her teeth. The abuse continued for many years into her teenage years. Until about 12 years old, she met a man that... Uh, himself was adopted out of foster care. But he was adopted by a loving parent, actually two, and when he was nine years old, his, his adoptive dad had died. So he was raised by this one lady. And he took her to church, or she took him to church every day. Actually, she raised four adoptive kids. And because of the way he had been treated by her, when he stepped into this young girl's life at 12 years old, he knew the answer, right? And all he knew was, I love you, and I know Jesus loves me, so I've got to introduce you to, to him. And 
they eventually would get married. At 12 years old, they met. They would eventually get married. But there was a moment where Jesus stepped in and took over. And she finally said, the abuse, that is not love, but what Jesus has to offer, that is love. And he finally, he stepped into her life and she allowed him to come in. So they eventually had a family. They had a couple of kids. They actually have several grandkids now. One of their kids, because of a moment where Jesus stepped in and she gave it all over to him. Because of that moment, one of her kids moved to Montana and started a camp for abuse kids. That was my mom. I have never seen anybody that has come out of such an abusive past treat people as royal as this lady does. You know what my mom does now? She, she runs an after-school program. She, she does the daycare at a Christian school where she is the only adult for about 80 kids every day. And she treats every one of them like the royalty that they are. Never seen anybody that was able to change. And that's because of one moment where Jesus stepped in. Lastly, I want to tell you a story about one of our campers. Two years ago, we had a young man that came to camp. He was mean. I just flat out mean. He was bitter. Actually, the truth is, when he showed up to camp, we didn't find out this story till a little later, but when he showed up to camp, he had nowhere to go when he left camp. The people that he was with said, we don't want him anymore. Like, really, these are supposed to be the loving foster parents that are supposed to be taking care of him until he can find a permanent home. And they're flat out telling him, we don't want you. We don't like you. We don't want you anymore. So he literally came to camp and didn't have a place to go when he left. And he was mean. Actually, it was the only time in the the several years that we've been running the camps, it's the only time we've ever had a kid hit another kid. And he was a fighter. I mean, he was punching kids. He was biting kids. Hated his camp. He is probably, in the history of, of our Montana camp, he has been the most racist kid that we've ever had. You know, it's funny. God has such a sense of humor. It's funny because Amy does all the, the uh, appointing of who, what kid gets what counselor. And she, we have one Hispanic counselor <laughs> on staff, right, at the time. And guess who got that one Hispanic counselor? This little racist boy, right, 11 years old. Hated him. Hated him. And this guy kept coming to me and saying, I just don't. Now, the funny thing is about this one counselor, everybody loves this counselor. I mean, outside of, outside of camp, everybody loves him, right? And um, him and his wife both. And he just couldn't understand why this kid hated him 
so much. And so he would do all these different things. And Thursday night of camp, we do this um, thing. It's a talent show. Well, that's not true. Um, forgive me, Lord, for lying. Uh, it's, it's, we call it have a go show because really we just want them to have a go because there's not so much talent, right? <laughs> uh, it's a have a go show. And so the kids were all doing stuff. And this boy, he decides he wants to do like a rap singing something mess is really what it was and his counselor was sitting in the back of the room and and what we do as counselors we cheer them and and we we celebrate all their really bad stuff right on the stage and the counselor was sitting in the back of the room and he finally this counselor like something came over him and he and and one of the things that we we teach in royal family is to make every moment matter and this counselor said what can I do to make this moment special? Because he hasn't connected with this kid yet. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, now Thursday night. He hasn't connected with this kid yet. He says, what can I do? So I don't know what, I, believe me, I don't know what to come over this guy. This guy is this most straight-laced person. He does not have a sense of humor. I mean, I, I tell him jokes all the time, and he just, I'm going to pray for you, Joseph. I'm like, it was a joke, right? And I mean, he just does not have. He ends up from the back of the room. The kid is up here rapping, singing, whatever he's going to do. He ends up, this counselor from the back of the room, takes his shirt off. And he starts running around the room, swinging a shirt like this flag, celebrating this kid. The truth is, at that moment, nothing changed, right? Celebrate. I mean, is it? Yes, we have a picture. Uh, it's the funniest thing, I'm telling you. The, the truth is, at that moment, nothing changed. The next day, the kid went home still hating him, right? Still bitter, still hurt and broken. So then fast forward a year to last year. We get a call from now a group home where this kid is placed. And he hated camp, remember? And this group home says, we have this kid, his name is so-and-so, and he really wants to come to camp. We're like, oh, no, 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 you are talking about some other random kid because this kid hates camp. He hated us, he hated his counselor, he hated everything that the camp stood for. And they said, no, this is, he, he really wants to come. We said, okay, we don't understand why. So God in, in the, you know, God's a comedian, let's be honest. So in, in God's way, Amy started assigning campers to counselors. Sure enough, <laughs> she says, let's take that, other, that counselor again and put it back with the kid that hates him. Right? <laughs> and the counselor, again, this guy is straight laced and he's like so godly. Like, I've never met a man as godly. And he's, if, if Amy would have said, you know, we want you to be his counselor, you'd be like, all right, sounds good. Right? Yeah, I understand. God's got a plan. He goes, are you kidding? <laughs> this, kid, are you, this kid hates me. I mean, I've never seen him like this. So sure enough, the kid comes to camp. And... Uh, so as they're driving up to camp on the bus, all the rest of the staff is already at camp, and we have a couple of staff people on the bus. 
And this kid decides he's going to stand up on, uh, as we're on the freeway. But on the freeway coming around, you can kind of see the facility, right? You can see the water slide, some of the building. And as he comes around, he stands up on the bus. And the other staff people that are on there are like, oh, Lord, what is about to happen? It's about to get real, real fast, right? And he goes, shh. He tells everybody else, shh, I have something to say. He says, look, everyone. He said, look, everyone. See that place over there? He said, this is the words he said. I'm finally home. That's what a week that royal family does. Truth is, when he left there, we at the end of camp, we asked him to write Dear God letters. He had one thing on his, on his letter. God, would you help somebody? Bring somebody that wants me. Right? That's what he said. Oh, our, our staff read the letters and we cried and cried and cried because nobody wanted him. Except for one of our staff people. She said, my family and I are going to take him. And they are currently in the adoption process for this young man that hated everybody, hated the world. It took one moment for God to step in. One moment of a staff person, a counselor, just like you, to say, I got to make this one moment matter because something I do could change this kid's trajectory forever. We say three very distinct things at camp. Three really mottos that we live by. Keep moving forward. Make every moment matter. And treat people like royalty. You know, the first story about the young man, he's stuck. He's stuck. He can't move forward. He just can't move forward. Second story, I've never met a person that could treat somebody royally like that lady. She does it every day. The truth is, because of her royal treatment, her son's a camp director, and now she has two granddaughters, one that's in, in school to, to be a social worker because of the stuff with foster care, and one that's graduating this early going into law because she's going to fight for every child of abuse. Right? Because of that moment of making everybody feel like royalty, she's taught us that everybody is important. And lastly, to make every moment matter. Just like this last story. It only took a moment for child abuse to start. It only took a moment for neglect to step in. And it really only takes a moment for Jesus to walk in, ushered by you. So we're going to ask you this morning, would you come and serve us? Would you come and serve our kids at camp? We need you. The only limitation we have at camp is people. We have kids. There's over 4,000 young people in foster care in Montana. You know that we are the third, almost second, we are the third per capita in the nation for kids in foster care. Third. There's so many kids 
that can come and experience this moment with God. But it takes people like you to step up and say, hey, I'll give six days to spend with a kid. Just treat them like royalty. Truth is, we play. We have a whole lot of fun. That's really what we do. Because they probably haven't had that many of those days in their past. One last question I'm going to just ask you. Is there anybody in the room that's waiting? I hate when God asks me to wait. Are you waiting on something? Are you waiting on a miracle? Are you waiting on God to step in and save a family member? Are you waiting on a salvation of a sibling or a parent? Are you waiting on something financial? Are you? I know we are. Truth is, Amy and I are waiting for a piece of property in Twin Bridges to open a Montana children's home. It's sitting there. It's ready to go. We're waiting. Let me challenge you with this. If you are waiting for God to do something in your life, do what waiters do and serve. Let's pray. God, we thank you. God, we thank you that you've given us the opportunity to serve your young people. Just like you say in James 1.27, that true religion, the religion that you find faultless, is to serve the widows and the orphans. So God, we thank you that you've honored us with the position of being able to serve your young people. God, would you start working on the hearts of every young man, young lady in this place today. God, would you go with us? Would you bless our food this afternoon and bless our fellowship? God, we thank you. We honor you. We ask all in Jesus' name. And I know that you're going to answer my prayer because I'm your favorite. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks. You're dismissed.